Welcome to Eye on the Ball. This is Garrett Rands. I'm here with Pastor Tim Everett. Today, Brother Tim, you know, I have fear is not the right word, um, although it, it is a little scary. I have this fear that we're in the process of capitalism being destroyed in our country. And one of the things that I think that we're going to lose, or that we may potentially lose, just my opinion, is the tax deductibility of gifts to churches. What do you think? Good morning, Gary. That's an interesting question. I think that um, capitalism very much is tied to our First Amendment and First Amendment rights. I was talking to uh, Tony Perkins. Tony is sort of the evangelical poster child in in Washington, D.C. You know, he does radio shows and whatnot. And he said that right now it looks like in Congress we have about 40 Mike Johnsons, you know, Congressman Mike Johnson from our area. Conservative, fine, Christian, conservative Christian, strong, you know, very strong and a strong family, strong on, on Christian values. And so we've got a core group there. And he mentioned that. I know that's only, what, maybe 10% of Congress, well, yeah. a little less than 10%. So you've got 100 senators and 435 yeah, so congressmen, so 535. You know, there's about, you know, 40 in his opinion, you know, just strong. So less than solid. 10%. But they have great influence. And and they really have um, America's back when it comes to our freedoms, particularly the freedom of religion. And so as long as we have that strong core group, I think we're in good shape. But as long as we have the First Amendment, uh, I met um, a Chinese dissident. uh, His his name is Fu. Um, He was in prison for for his faith, uh, got out of prison, fled to Hong Kong, and was able to come to the United States. And so he talks a lot about uh, about Chinese issues, and I asked him, I said, do you think that the church here will be persecuted like the church in China? And his response su- surprised me. He said, no, as long as you have the First Amendment. So as long as you can keep the First Amendment, then... Uh, but it's in but danger it's right It's in now. danger right now. And I think the chipping away of it, and I think that uh, that's one thing that, that probably bothers me the most about uh, the deductibility of church gifts is that it's just chipping away at the First Amendment. I mean, I... Um, I'm not opposed to, to people giving out of the pureness of their hearts and not just as a, a tax break. And I think the church would survive that change, uh, particularly, you know, true churches, churches that have spines. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, but, and, uh, and that brings an interesting question to me that is not really off topic, but not that many people tithe anyway. If we're being honest, it's a small portion of the church. You know, it's the, the 2080 rule. We've got, if you've got 100 people showing up to your church, you're doing good if if ten to twenty of them are tithing, mm-hmm. all right. And so if the, if that's a core group that's tithing, what's the probability that they're tithing sp- specifically for the tax deduction, and right. not because they really want to? I mean, tithing is a commitment. It is it is something that you you want to do because you love the Lord, um, because you feel uh, led to do it. However, you want to word it. And um, you know, I don't. I, I personally, I think it is in danger because I think as you pastor, as you start speaking out against things that our culture is saying, not only is this what we feel is correct, but if you don't think it's correct, then we're going to shut you down. And so things like homosexuality and transgender issues and, and, and not just that, I mean, obviously we want, you know, if you're, if you're a homosexual or you're a transgender, we want you to come to our church. I mean, absolutely. We want you to be there. But we don't want you as our pastor, because that is that would be the same as, in in my opinion, that's the same as a man having ten wives. I don't want a man that's got ten wives to be our pastor either, right? And and so, 
it, there are things that God has outlined that, that he says, this is, this is the way it is. And this is the line. And now we're having, we're being tested. Yeah. And, I don't think it's as big a, of a club as secularists believe. I think that many of them believe that pastors are just so desperate for money that if uh, they got rid of the deductibility of church gifts, then, you know, it would cow cower all of us down from speaking the truth from the pulpit. I think you're right. It's it's not as big a, of an issue in terms of the income that we receive. I don't think many people give simply for a tax write-off. Well, and I, and I Actually, we the may numbers. get a large gift from someone, but that weekend and weekend tithing that people do, I think, is out of a commitment, a biblical commitment. And, and where we live here, there's more bivocational pastors that mm-hmm. probably give more to the church than receive from the church in terms of salary. Could, could be. And, um, I, you know, I don't know how that is across mm-hmm. our country, but we have a lot of bivocational pastors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think it's, it's something that scares them at all. If they, I think they would still be a pastor if you didn't pay them at all. Uh, you know, I yeah, think if you're called to be a pastor, you're called to be a pastor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think about um, the future? Let me tell you a quick story about sure. that. I was reading um, Huckleberry Finn, and there's a funny story in that where Huck Finn, you remember when he was at Tom Sawyer's uncle's house, he had a, uh, I think he had some sort of an accident in his Ralph, and so he came up to this farm and coincidentally ended up being Tom Sawyer's uncle's house, and Huck pretended to be Tom Sawyer, and he was talking about his uncle, uh, Tom's uncle. He said he was a farmer and said he was also a preacher. He said um, he preached for nothing, and I heard him, and he was worth it. <laughs> so, that's, well, that's, so, yeah, that's a good compliment, right? right? That might be right. <laughs> what do you think is um, – where do you think we, we stand with this mindset that the government is not being good stewards of our money, so we need to do everything that we can to walk the gray area and be in the gray area when it comes to what we pay in taxes? Where do you stand on that? Well, let's start with Jesus saying, render to Caesar what is his and to God what belongs to him. And I think of Tolstoy, I think of Martin Luther King and others that talked about civil disobedience, that when the government is asking you to do something that's contrary to your your faith, or in in both of their situation, their biblical faith, and they said that we had a right to, to disobey civil authorities. But I don't think we're there yet. I think that it's important for us to, to be good stewards, not just with our money toward God, but toward government. And we shouldn't be quick to make those decisions individually that we're going to hide money from the government. I think that we should practice, you know, I try to practice every de- deduction that I allow. Absolutely. There's no do many extra. Law, you know, right. But, but I'm not ready to advocate that we practice civil disobedience with our, our tax money and and not give to our country. Yeah, I don't know that there's ever yeah. a cause for that. I mean, that's it's not really disobeying our country, right? It's disobeying Scripture. I mean, if it belongs to Caesar, it belongs to Caesar. Yeah, I and, mean, the Hebrews were being taxed to, um, to you know, supply the uh, an army, an opposing army that was keeping them in bondage. So in the context of that, Jesus was saying, give to, to Caesar what belongs to him. So... Uh, certainly, our government is not as hostile toward us today. We may get there, but not today as the Roman government was to, to Hebrews in the first century. That valid point. What do you know about um, what we call ESG scores, this environmental social governance score that has kind of come about? Are you, are you familiar with that term? Do you know anything well, about it? 
when I was in college, I tried to trick professors with the papers that I wrote on how poor my research and writing was by organizing these papers into how this issue affected socially, economically, and politically. That was my, my three, that, those my three outline three. that I used. It's kind of interesting. All I know is that it stands for what? Environment, social, and governance, and some sort of a test that corporations it, are it's a score. given, a score to see if they're politically correct to some, some extent. Right? It, yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. well, explain it to me. I don't, I don't know much about it. So here's, and here's the scary thing. It's not just companies, it's individuals now. Okay. So obviously who created these scores as far as I know, or at least who's utilizing them are the liberal side of our country. And oil is bad. Solar is good. Right. And, and so on down those lines. So they're giving these scores to corporations based on the business that they're in and what they do and their impact on the environment and their impact on, you know, every political thing that comes along. Okay. So they, they have these scores and these, these corporations are being given this score. What's scarier to me though, is Merrill Lynch started giving these scores to individual investors, including people's 401ks. So when you log into your Merrill Lynch account, you've got an ESG score. Now that's scary. And I'll tell you why that's scary. So what they're saying is you're a good person or you're not a good person based on how you invest your money. Now, part of that actually kind of, I don't, well, I don't agree that you're a good person or a bad person based on how you invest your money, but I, I do think that there are good investments and bad investments. The thing is who's, what these scores are according to, or just like I said, it's got an agenda. And so it's not humanitarian in everybody's eyes. If, uh, let's say, for example, if you were investing in a company that was anti-child labor and they were giving you a very positive score for that, we should go along with that. And I think most people would agree with that. All right. Maybe not everybody in the world, but most. But what they're doing is they're dividing us up by these ESG scores based on oil companies, solar companies, and they're giving these these good and bad scores and they're giving it to, to you as an individual. Here's why it's scary because China's already been doing this. And I don't remember if you remember the story that came out a couple of years ago. There was a journalist that spoke out against the Chinese government. He was blacklisted. He couldn't buy anything from anywhere. He couldn't ride public transportation. He couldn't go to a store to buy his groceries. He had to get family members and friends to bring food to him. Now that's severe. That is severe. And I I don't know if there were some places that he could go, but essentially he was on house arrest because of this score that he had gotten speaking out against the government. Um, Yeah. In China, it's my understanding that the communist party has members and spies who, who spy on neighbors and they, give information as to whether they're a good citizen or not. Yes. And so they pick up their phones and they see whether they have a green light that gives them permission to go and be a part of the social society or yellow means that caution, the idea that there's some questions about their citizenship. And then a red light means they have to stay put. It's like house arrest. And so you have neighbors spying on you and then they have social um, tech, what's uh, recognition technology yeah, facial recognition. Facial recognition te- technology. They've got cameras on every street locate. corner. Yeah, so it's a very uh, 1984 scary scenario, and it sounds like we're following in their footsteps. We're, we're headed to this, and, and look, 
None of this is new. None of this is new. I mean, maybe our ability to implement things because of technology mm-hmm. is new. But, you know, look, we had a, a severe terrorist attack in, I believe the year was 1920. It was either late 1919 or in, in, 20, in, in 1920. And it was bombing at Wall Street. And it was, it was done by a terrorist group. And we had the same political divisions then that we have now. There was a, a faction of people within our country that believed that capitalism is bad and socialism and communism is good. And they had agendas to do things. And of course we had an overreaction. If you remember, you remember the term Palmer raids, that was that, that kind of, of uh, McCarthyism too, where they were hunting for communists. Yeah. And they arrested people that were Russian, that were Russians, and yeah. even though they had maybe absolutely nothing to do with mm-hmm. this movement, they were arrested because they were Russian. So it was, you know, it was a type of profiling and uh, racism. Uh, so we, none of this is new. This is, this has all been going on throughout the history of the world. There's always been divisions in people, but what gets scary is when we start being given scores about how good we are based on those political agendas. So who's creating the score and who's using the score, who has access to the score. That's things that, that are scary to me that are, that are coming up. And so, um, you know, look, we're, we're doing the same thing uh, personally as a biblically responsible investor. I'm looking at every corporation and every mutual fund, and I am, I am giving them a score. And if they are profiting from or supporting in any way, shape, or form abortion or pornography, they're out. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have nothing to do with them. And I think that that's a good thing. I think that is something that honors God. I think if I exclude an individual because of what they believe, now I think I've stepped over a line. And that's where we're headed. Look, I had an advisor friend leave Merrill Lynch because of these ESG scores that were being given to to his investors. And he says, I've got to find a new company to work for because this is a bad, dangerous road that we're headed down. And, um, And look, I think there's something to be said for us staying under the radar with these things, staying away from a company like Merrill Lynch, uh, that is, that is going to do these, even if they're, even if they have good intent, mm-hmm. just the fact that it exists and they're giving you this ESG score, that is scary. Cause we know that they're not, I mean, you know, they're part of bank America, bank of America now, and these large corporations are being pressured. Um, and, and the people that are governing, uh, you know, that are on the boards of these corporations, yeah. they're, they're handing out money to, things that we disagree with that go against scripture. And so I think there's something to be said for us just staying under the radar. I recently met with a couple. They are the ultimate under the radar people. I loved it. It was, it's such a blessing to have them come in and have a visit. Look, they've got, um, they've got way more of an emergency fund than is necessary that I, that I try to teach people because they're very conservative. They are uh, amassing uh, a, good amount of wealth because they're just being good stewards of what God's blessed them with. And they're, they're savers, not spenders. They're driving cars until they've got, you know, two or two to 300,000 miles on them before they go get another one. Um, they're doing all of the things right that you can do if, if, if you're wanting to be a good steward of what God's given you. And they're not on social media, not that there's anything wrong with being on social media, but one of the things that they said is we just want to stay under the radar. We don't want to be on anybody's radar anywhere. And, you know, I think that's such a good attitude to have, particularly when it comes to our giving. 
right? I mean, what, what, what does scripture say about our gifts? You know, give our gifts so that your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. Or maybe I said that yeah. backwards, but uh, the whole point is, is that we, we shouldn't give gifts to get the recognition. Right. And maybe we as individuals and churches shouldn't give recognition of where the money comes from. Um, falling in line with scripture that nobody should know. It's not anybody's business. But I think about their attitude, their godly attitude that they had with all of that. And it just, it was inspiring. I mean, I, I, I honestly, when they left, I was in tears, oh, you know, just, yeah. just having a, a good meeting and, and good time of fellowship and, and honoring the Lord and just, and just seeing how they had been blessed and, and how they blessed me. It was just a great experience. And the one thing that I took away from that was, you know, uh, gosh, I wish I could stay under the radar a little more. I, you know, I think some of us are called um, <laughs> to not be under the radar, but man, if you have the opportunity you, and you don't feel called to be a pastor, you don't feel called to to have a ministry of some sort um, that is in the public eye, man, you're probably going to be better off going forward to stay under the radar and just not, not let anybody know your business. Yeah, there's some advantages to anonymity. I mean, think about when we do good gifts for others when we do it publicly that everybody wants us to give the same good gift to them. Oh yeah. You send it, you, you create a, uh, you know, a precedent, you know, and so you, know, you send one check, you send one check to a charity. Yeah. That's a very good charity, but I, I think they share your information with right. every other charity that's out there <laughs> and they're sending you something twice a week, you know, in the mail. And, uh, and that's fine. There's not anything wrong with that, but yeah, I mean, it, it is, it does get a little old, you know. Yeah, uh, privacy issues are, are life changing. I think we all have to be concerned about that. There was a controversial book written about three years ago, I think, called the Benedict Option, and it's the idea that um, Benedict, back when the Roman Empire was falling, decided that Christians needed to create monasteries where they protected the truth, you know, protected their way of life. And so uh, Benedict had some some rules for uh, for priests to follow in these monasteries. And so, you know, the, the writer, I'm trying to think of his name now, but he's saying that we're to that point in America now where we've got to practice the Benedict option. And we've got to build some some fences between us and culture and politics and, and protect what we have. And individually, I think we make decisions to do that when we homeschool, when we uh, uh, choose to... Um, be careful about sharing information and all these kind of things you're thinking of. So it's a, it's an important issue to consider with these tests that are out there that become public knowledge. You know, do we practice the Benedict option? Is it time for us to um, not completely retreat from culture, but to protect what we have from culture, you know, protect our children? Um, I think, yeah, I think it, so it's a good question and, and maybe we should leave you with this question. Is it better to be a warrior when you're not called to be a warrior, <laughs> or is it better to stay under under the radar and let God do His work? Yeah. You know that's and that's a tough thing that's that's going to be very individual. Obviously, with us doing this podcast and with you being a pastor, I know that each of us are called to our our ministries and we're we're called in in, in some way, shape, or form to the public eye a little bit, mm-hmm. even though you know the the tens of you that are listening to us, um, <laughs> you know it it, it it's uh it's not about the size yeah. of the audience, yeah. right? It's just the fact that we're we're yeah. here. Um, but it's it's obedience. Mm-hmm. It it is it is about being obedient. And I think that there are people that are called to stay under the radar, mm-hmm. it, not because they're not. I mean, and 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 speaking of this couple, these are two of the smartest people I know, mm-hmm. and they they are staying under the radar. And uh, that's why I say it's kind of inspirational because it's, it's kind of like you know what it, I can keep yeah, private, the, I want to. <laughs> the quote from a uh, 
There's a Marine general in the Korean War. I can't think of his name, and I'm not going to quote him correctly on this, but he he said something, and, and the people said, "We're retreating." He said, "No, we're we're charging, we're charging to the rear, or something like that, or we're we're attacking to the rear." Uh, in other words, it was a strategic retreat, and uh, even a warrior knows when it's time to you know that this is not our battle. This is not our battlefield. Uh, we're overwhelmed. We need to go back. We and need to choose our battles, and uh, yeah, choose our battles and retreat and and um, resource ourselves for the battles that are ahead. So I think we well, we need to fight strategically. And yeah. I think that was a great point when we had our talk about creation, and and you mentioned that that was not something that was a good idea for our uh, you know preteen, teen, and, and and early twenties children. Mm-hmm. That it's maybe not the best idea to attack their viewpoints that they've been taught in school about creation. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's not the first battle that we want to fight. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that, yeah. you know, and I, I thought that was a great point uh, that we need to choose our battles. We, we need to let God, we need to let the Holy spirit work in us to know where our battles are and what we're called to do specifically. And, and we um, have the knowledge that we're going to win the war. That's I mean, right. We know a, we're going to win. Great source of security. That is to know in the very end, we're going to win. It may look like we're losing now, but uh, so we're focused on that battle or whether this needs to be a battle. That's keeping our eye on the ball it. when it comes to this, uh, yeah. the destruction of capitalism, unfortunately. But there is good news. Mm-hmm. We know who wins. Amen. And uh, Amen. capitalism versus socialism doesn't really matter in terms of who wins the battle. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter in terms of our individual obedience to the Lord. Guys, we're on uh, Apple Podcast, Google, uh, Spotify, Amazon. I think we're on every major platform now. So uh, if you're used to using those, you don't have to go through our website. But we will, we will remain on our website. Um, the church website is gammatown.org. Right. That's the church website. My personal website is garrettrands.com. Um, you can find uh, us there. If you would like to email us a question, uh, a topic that you would like for us to discuss, you can reach me at gr, the number four wbs at yahoo.com. That's gr four wbs at yahoo.com. And Pastor Tim's is Tim Ray Everett at aim.com. How old is that email address? How old is that email address? It wasn't AOL, yeah, but it's right. still pretty, pretty old, it goes old. back pretty far. All right. God bless you. Have God a, have a wonderful day and uh, be careful if you're driving.